podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, hello, here we go, it's the Copyright Podcast. What is happening everyone, welcome back to the Copyright Podcast, it is Mick and Christian once again. It's been it's been a week, lad. We've we've not been we've not been here to talk about the Reds for one all week, but quite a few bits have happened. Obviously, Liverpool have been knocked out of the Champions League. Unfortunately, we've got the the news about Lucas Leiva and some new transfer developments of Jude Bellingham <clears throat> is definitely signing for Liverpool. Any messing? No, nah, it says he's unlikely to. Uh, but I thought we'd start with Madrid. But before we get to Madrid, how are you, lad? Yeah, good. Like you said, it's been a week. Kind of needed a breather. Uh, I wasn't too disappointed of going out of the Champions League as it was expected, to be honest. Like, the result at home didn't really help much. <laughs> and then going away to Madrid, who he knows are, you know, a great team and all that. So, um, sometimes a miracle can happen. We know that, obviously, because we, we, we usually are the ones that are making them happen, but not this time. So, I expected that, and I just thought, well, now we get this, you know, pause with not playing Fulham, and we got the international break until we play Man City away. So I thought it was quite good for us to just, okay, let's focus on the Premier League now and go from there. Yeah, I think we were all, because I think on the preview we did, we were like, we're not feeling too confident, whatever else, but we said like once Wednesday morning, afternoon comes around, we'll feel a lot (laughs) better. And it did, because I was like, I'm going to be watching a match. Liverpool tend to do magic things, but Real Madrid are also unfortunately very magic as well in a, in a different way they're just so fucking annoying but so good so good as well at playing any team and any playing any scenario under any type of pressure and i thought we started the game quite well um we had a few chances i think just as the game went on so in terms of like shots uh according to live score we had four shots on target and four shots off target in the first half and we had one shot on target in the second half. And for me, that's the most frustrating thing because I think the first half, we had a few good chances. Darwin has a, a great one where it curls and um, a great save. As another one, there's a few chances where Salah could play him in and he, he makes a he fucks it up. And then the second half is like, it's nil-nil. We, need, we still need three goals. Let's fucking just go for it. If we concede three, then whatever. It doesn't matter. But we didn't. It's like whenever we, whenever we need a bit of magic or whatever, it's like we're waiting and waiting and waiting and we're waiting forever because it never comes. And I, I think that's the most frustrating thing. But I think when you factor in the season we've had, I think it's, I think it's normal for this Liverpool side to be like that, isn't it? I think. Yeah, the, the first off, like I said, we had the chances, but we were probably a little bit more, you know, safe sitting back a little bit more even if we tried to go forward. And, and like I said, we, we managed to get chances and shots on target and could have scored. And if that would have happened, it could have been, you know, a different uh, game in terms of getting a early goal. But we didn't. And I think, you know, in the second half that um, that just, you know, people, people, you know, players know that you need at least three goals. It's the second half. You know, I think, you know, the energy is a little bit lost as well because you... You play in Real Madrid and they keep the ball. You have to run loads to, you know, try to to get it back. Or, you know, they just play around in this little triangle they have in the midfield and get it out on the, to this quick wingers as well. So it's 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 a difficult game in terms of, you know, being uh, in a physical state as well. But so I think, you know, sometimes if we could, if, if we would have had that first early goal, that could have been something to, you know, really excited uh, everyone and could have, something could have happened, but it didn't. And, you know, sometimes you have to take your chances as well. Um, so 
it is what it is. Uh, and then obviously the second half, like you mentioned as well, Mick, is we didn't really have anything. But I just I just think that just comes into your mind. It's it's quite that's something of a mission impossible to be honest. You know, Real Madrid just controlling the game, and we just need to keep on chasing and thinking like this. There's, there's no time really, and there's no point, you know, to to uh, uh, burn everything here and or risk any injuries or whatever. So, you know, you just have to say, you know, I would say, you know, congratulations to Real Madrid for the first, you know, the first result at Anfield, which was really great. And, you know, controlling the game as they did. And I, I know we are not in the zone at the moment, so we didn't really give them a match. But, you know, sometimes like Anfield did, you know, standing up applauding them when they went after the, you know, final whistle in the first game, you just have to sometimes recognise these kind of performances. Yeah, and I think going into the game, uh, Klopp, Reference like uh, Hendo was going to be out. Obviously, he came on for against Bournemouth, but he was ill. Didn't travel. That was a blow. Because uh, we mentioned the midfield, what we thought it was going to be, and we thought Hendo and we thought Bacetic would would come back in. And obviously, then Bacetic news came out via himself, uh, <laughs> Instagram, and whatever else, saying that he'll he'll be out for the season. Which is we've sung his praises near enough every week on on this show, saying how how good he is, and that was a a real tough one to take that because I think. I mean, he's had he's had very good games. He's had some not good, some some not so good games. But as an eighteen year old kid, that's what that's what you have to deal with, unfortunately. But he's had more games than bad. I think we could have really used his his skills in this game to to get into tackles, closing stuff down. It would have been difficult for him because it was difficult for everyone. But we then had to field. Um, I mean, a quite attacking starting eleven, like like it was four two three one with Fabinho and Milner. As the two, uh, and then Jota on the left, Gakpo, Salah, and Nunes. So there was a load of load of quality. It was just like when you've got when you've got James Milner starting, and you've got a very indifferent Fabinho coming up against the mid midfield three of Modric, Camavinga, and Tony Cruz. It's like it's different. It's different levels, and it's like we're going to get onto Bellingham and stuff soon. But that's the type of stuff that you look at, and you're like, we really need something in there, especially when you've got injuries and you're missing Hendo and Bacetic and you've got a, I mean Milner as good as he is and we, we've also sung his praises for how professional he is he's, he, he's still 37 years old we know Modric also is he 36 or 37? They're, they're similar age aren't they? Modric yeah, and Milner Modric is just a fucking a wizard though, like he's just next level shit he seems to be getting better if anything which is weird it's just proper <laughs> Benjamin Button like aging backwards but that was one thing I looked at. I was like, that if we had a midfield two in there that were class, then we might have had a, a very good chance of um I don't know, get getting an early goal like like we 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 could have in, in this game and, and kind of building on it. Yeah, and like you mentioned as well, no one you know would expect Milner to start these kind of games. Now we had to, obviously, because of the injuries and Hendo being out of illness. So that's also what it is um, at the moment. We, we need the uh, obviously investment and recruitment in terms of players for the midfield. We, we all know that, but it doesn't take away that you know Milner goes in and you know does a great job in, in what in the way he can. Um, but obviously, he shouldn't be starting game or these kind of games for us. It could, you know, should be other types of games or being coming on from the from the bench uh, if we yeah. need to. So it is what it is as well. So when it comes to that, we just need to wait until the summer and do the best we can um, of the rest of the season. You know, we just have to try to get that fourth spot if we can and go for it. That's that's the aim now, and that's all we can do. But it's also unfortunate that Bayzetic is out because. Like you said, we've been praising him. He's been really good. He's this exciting new young kid coming through, uh, showing all the 
you know, abilities to play at the highest level. And we're all really excited to see him continue to play. And then obviously he comes out with out of the season news and you think like, oh, we don't really need that. Just the feeling of it, you just be like, oh, not again, not, not, not him. And then I'm not concerned because obviously it seems to be something of a stress thing or whatever, because, you know, he's uh, he's young, he's still growing and, you know, m- muscles and all that kind of stuff. But the only little thing that just gives me this, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm concerned, but it's just like I would have loved him to just finish this season at the same ki- kind of level that he has pl- been playing and come into the next one with that behind him. Now instead he has to recover and do his rehab and not, you know, being rushed into playing again, obviously, because stress things can can come back and all that because he's still young. But it's just like, I don't want it to affect how he can impact next season because then he will be, you know, another year older, another year more experienced. And I think, you know, what we have in him is something that we want to use, I wouldn't say as much as we can, but as often as we can because he is something. And I don't want his talent or abilities to just be, I wouldn't say a waste, but I, I think you understand what I mean, that I, I don't want it to start affecting him already. And it comes to this situation where he plays a few games, then he's gone for a, a several games, comes back and plays because he, didn't, he doesn't get that rhythm. And that's something that, you know, young players need as well to develop, to get experience and to feel the self-confidence. So I hope it's, it won't be a problem for him going forward. Yeah, I think he could have he could have really used this season as a in a weird way, like a I don't know to get that experience as well because he's came in and he's not he's not been shy of be, being like the, the main man in midfield. He's he's been he's been amazing and to put that have that pressure on his shoulders to come in and Henderson and Fabinho getting left out of the team because he was so good yeah. and at such a young age, he could have continued to use the remaining twelve uh, Premier League games to. To help us, but also help him for for future seasons. Because I think when I done the show the other day with uh, Finn from Have a Word, like he was mentioning, Bacchetta just like he saved us potentially like thirty million on like a young midfield signing because there's no way we're gonna sign one now because we've already got one ready made, and that that's the way we like Klopp's always said we should be working, like getting players in and kind of put them into the right positions and hopefully watch them flourish. Obviously, it's more difficult than than what I've just said, but like a lot of hard work's gone into it from. Scouting, uh, him him coming into the side doing really well, so maybe has saved us. But there's there's players that we do still need to sign to kind of help his influence as well going forward. But there's twelve Premier League games left, so I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, I was looking just looking at the table, and uh, so we're we're on the same point. We're on the same games as Newcastle. They're five points better off because. Your fellow fucking countrymen scored two a late <laughs> a late penalty for them, pushed yeah, them five yeah. points. Annoying, uh, clear. <laughs> but you know what? Spurs Spurs have played two more and uh, seven points. So in theory, and I mean we keep saying this, but in theory we could go one point behind if we win both games in hand. But we've got, obviously we've got a game in hand against Fulham. Um, but the games coming up, we've got Man City, then we've got uh, Chelsea, and then Arsenal. So it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't it doesn't get any easier for the Reds. Two of them in a way, ones at home. Yeah. Um, but in a weird way, I look forward to them games more than I do the Brightons, the Brentfords, the Bournemouths, because there's always a chance that we could just be like, well, we won seven their last game, so we'll probably just beat these lads and not, don't put in the the required effort when it's Man City. Chelsea, Arsenal, you've got to, you know, you've got to turn up because where they are, where they are in the, 
via where they are in the, in, in the table or how many good players like we're playing Chelsea. They're not in the best form, but they've got fucking Enzo Fernandez. They'll have Kante back, got Mudrick, all kinds of fucking boss players that we need to raise our game against, which is going to be difficult. But um, yeah. but yeah, and I thought we'd move on to our second topic, which is uh, Lucas Lever. Uh, unfortunately, he had to announce that he's going to be retiring age 36 after some heart problems, which is a massive shame, isn't it? Because I think after he's been at the club at Liverpool for so long, he's <laughs> all of the um, his on field um, his on field performances just got better and better as he as he grew into the team, as he became more of a scouser, and he kind of <laughs> took that took that on board that he was like a Brazilian scouser and stuff, which was which was boss. But um, yeah, just just kind of him in the dressing room and how much influence that he had, and obviously he went off to play for other teams and stuff, but. It's it's horrible news, isn't it? Because obviously Aguero had something similar um, recently as well, uh, where he's had to retire as well. So I don't know if that's because of like improved checks on hearts and stuff, especially if you play high intensity football and you're an athlete and you have to beat your heart has to be in the right condition. But it's a, it's a massive shame for him because I think he would have kept he would have kept playing for another couple of years. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, he seems like he enjoyed his time in Gremio at the moment, obviously playing with Luis Suarez as well and, you know, being really good yeah. there. And so I think, you know, he would probably not look at retiring for another couple of seasons to be able to play at home in Brazil. But, you know, I, I love Lucas Leiva. You know, I'm not just saying that because he got better. I, I actually liked him from the start. I, I remember buying my brother Lucas Leiva's shirt when he kind of arrived or one season in or something like that. And that was back in 2007 or something. And you know, I was only like 21 at the time, which is weird to think back now when I'm 37 this year. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I just remember this young Brazilian who was like voted the young player of the year in Brazil uh, or the Brazilian league. Uh, I used to see him before or something like that. And he scored a few goals for Grêmio, which is his boyhood club. Um, and... I was just excited at the time because I, you know, I was still kind of young myself, following Liverpool, and you know, just finished school and started working and tried to, you know, think of what to do. But you know, Liverpool was always the the highlight of the life. Still, you know, you were always like every week in football, and you were more into maybe the transfers. Like I am, not like nowadays, I'm just like yeah, whatever, whatever happens, happens. I can't really, <laughs> but but I remember that young Brazilian who scored a few goals for Grêmio, who was more of a box to box play, and everyone described him as something really, you know, really exciting and. Then he came to Liverpool, he found it a bit difficult to come into the team, to find his place in the league. You know, it, it's obviously Premier League, it's a biggest step <laughs> upwards when it comes to playing in the Brazilian league, even if that's, you know, technical and all that kind of stuff. It's another physicality, uh, different speed and all that. But what I loved with him was that he always, you know, he never he never complained or moaned like, you know, how a player can be. He always kept his head down, kept working hard, found his place, got involved, performed better and better. And, and at, at some stage, he was actually one of the best defensive midfielders as he was back then, or, you know, later on in his career in Liverpool, um, in the league, before that knee injury or whatever it was against, I can't remember if it was Man City or whatever, but I just remember him, you know, putting fucking Yaya Toure in his pocket in one game. He was yeah. fucking brilliant. And that's what I love with him. He never moaned, he just kept on going. And I think he won everyone, you know, around and to love him as well because in the start he get he got loads of shit from you know fans or you know people not saying it was good it wasn't good enough and it probably wasn't for for a time being but he just kept going and that's why I admire as well uh, and then everyone just loved him because he took he took to his heart you know the city the people the Liverpool way and then he performed better and better as well so he actually you know 
ticked all the boxes that you need to become, you know, I would say a legend in one way because people will always remember you and, you know, appreciate you. So it's sad news, whatever, you know, what happens now to him and he had to retire. I watched the, the clip when he was crying. I felt, you know, yeah. a lump in my throat as well. I just felt like I, I just love Lucas Leiva. He's one of my favorites. You know, I, I think he's, he seems to be a humble, nice guy. So, you know, all, all um, I wish him all luck in whatever, you know, do do now. But it's sad news, obviously. Yeah, when you spent ten years at a at a club and kind of ingratiated yourself in the way that he did, like so fully, in good in very good Liverpool teams and not so good Liverpool teams, he was always there. Like I said, the, I think Yaya Torre he was just absolutely amazing in that game. And I saw it, and you know I fucking love stats. I was looking, uh, someone posted like all time Premier League um, player stats t- for tackles. Certain Lucas Leiva is still in second place behind Gareth Barry in that list, which is Ooh. considering. I mean, he played in the Prem for for ten years, which is a long time. But um, James Milner's in there in fifth. Other Liverpool players, you've got Hendo in fifteenth, not too far behind. But most of the players in there have retired. You've got you've got Barry, you've got Zabaleta, Clichy, Noble, um, Scott Parker, Leighton <laughs> <laughs> uh, Baines, Glenn Johnson. So there's there's he's surrounded there by just proper, um, I wouldn't say veterans, but players that have played in the Premier League for a, for a long time. And yeah. we knew that he loved a tackle. I think when he, like you said, when he came in box to box midfielder, and he kind of he was established as a defensive midfielder eventually, weren't he? And that was where his position was. And he was yeah. he was never the quickest or most skillful, but he was one of them. I, I don't I don't I don't know if I'd describe him as like a like a Carragher esque, but in midfield. Like he was never the quickest or the best that he was never didn't have one amazing skill, but he, he had like he was very good at a lot of things, like commitment, yeah. tackling. In the air he was very good for a smaller guy. He'd always he'd always win headers. Um I mean I think his his passing was underrated, I think. I think there's a certain one I remember against Newcastle St James where he plays basically a one two with Gerard and then plays it into the path and then Gerard chips the keeper. And it was just like there's little things of like that where um, yeah. he didn't score as many as he as he would have liked or we would have liked. Um, obviously, his fingers first one was against Havant and uh, Waterlooville, where he fucking kills a top corner. I was like, oh my <laughs> yeah. god, who's this kid? We've got here. He's going to be fucking amazing. He's going to score loads. And yeah. it turns out he was just a defensive midfielder who, when he scored, it was like when Carragher scored. It was like just a proper sheer sheer hand in the air. Yes, I've scored, but I can't believe it. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to celebrate. <laughs> exactly. I, I just yeah, but yeah. Just... That's the thing. But just said for a, for a, you know for a small guy, he seems to have fucking you know amazing lungs and uh, physicality because he you know like like I said, he could keep on going forever, run loads, tackle loads, win uh, balls in the air, like you mentioned, for being quite short, you know. But you know, for being this like when you look at him, he looks like this little lad. Which you think like you gotta get battered here or hammered, you know, you're not gonna stand up to all these big lads, you know, in the opposition opposition team. But he always did, and you know, we could run for ages, which I, you know, I love with players who can actually always put in a shift for hundred percent all the time. Um, and like you said, he, he, his passing was underrated. I think you know his 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 uh, football brain was underrated as well, because like I said, when he established him as a defensive midfielder, and actually got to the highest levels and was one of the best in the premiership for like one, two, one, one, two seasons before actually that injury, which, you know, kept him back. I think, you know, he, he read the game perfectly and it was really, really good. And that's what people that play or players that played with him also said, like you had Steven Gerrard, you know, you, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't think, I, I think that maybe 
a type of player like Gerard might have, you know, been doubting him in the start of his career at Liverpool because there's been loads of shit players in our, <laughs> our squad during Gerard's uh, career because, you know, some players are probably like not this, the level that we need. But I think with Lucas, I think what everyone that played with him admires is what I said. He always kept on going, trying to be better. And when he showed that and, you know, could prove that he could become better, I think he also won the respect from his fellow um, teammates, you know, like like the likes of Gerard and stuff, and they became mates, and they are mates today. And I, I also read in the Liverpool Echo yesterday about when Gerard was le- when Gerard was leaving Liverpool, uh, they went away for a holiday or whatever with the team after that season, and Lucas came into his hotel room and gave him something with a. I can't remember what it was, but it's like engraved some text or whatever it was, and say you know that he be you know had. Um, become his you know first of all he was a legend and you know becoming a uh, one that he always will look up to and becoming a mate and all that kind of stuff I think this is was from Gerard's book or something but he just hugged it out with Lucas there when Lucas left the room uh Gerard was crying you know that's the thing like that's what just that's something about Lucas as well as a, as a human being but that also says something about now when he uh, have to retire that you know with becoming mates with Gerard and get the respect from a player like Gerard I, I guess you know He's a certain level, and if you get the respect from him being a player that you he rates, then you know he will be rated by everyone. Yeah, exactly. I think he was he, he grew in everyone's heart. I think I think he was like he was always. I think at the beginning and and certain points towards the end, he was he was a scapegoat. But when you look at like his his um like like I said, the stats that the stats speak for themselves. Like in terms of what he was about, like the amount of tackles and. Um, didn't get that many goals, but in pe- appearances for for Liverpool, like he was always between thirty and fifty. He was yeah. he was always in the in the team. All of his Brazil caps came when he was at Liverpool between two thousand seven and two thousand and thirteen. And yeah, it's a, it's just a it's just a shame, isn't it? That I mean, he's, he's he, I suppose it's if you're trying to be ultra positive, it's good that it's happened and he's found out that he's he's got this issue. And he yeah. can carry on his life and whatever. And he's thirty six, and it's about the time yeah. that people retire anyway. Yeah. So he's had a great long career, done amazing stuff, made amazing amazing connections with 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 fans. Of obviously Lazio, been there for the last five years, spent yeah. ten years at Liverpool, been at Gremio for the last year, obviously, and and there at the start as well when we signed him. But yeah. yeah. But another thing for him is that I would just say before we you know leave that so bit maybe then it's just like every manager that you know uh was at Liverpool that they, they used him as well like from Benitez to the likes obviously we we talk about Rodgers was there for like 30 <laughs> games 30 odd games or something like that but then we had um you know Brendan Rodgers Kenny uh Klopp everyone used him like yeah. there was ev- everyone thought that he was good enough to play for Liverpool so you know if they think so then you know that says says something about Lucas as well yeah I always remember the um, when we battled Everton, and there's that moment where it gets passed across by Moreno, I think, and Lucas is like, "Right, I'm going to fucking welly this top corner." I could see it in his brain; it was like, "This is, <laughs> yeah. this is flying top corner." Perfect gonna, situation as well. He's going to leg it into the, f- the far end with his hand up like Shearer and be like, "Fucking get in!" And it yeah goes out for a goal kick, like just dr- <laughs> literally dribbles out, and the camera just pans the cloth, doesn't it? And he's just pissing himself. <laughs> Yeah, just pissing Obviously. himself laughing. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Oh, well, unlucky. Just, uh, oh yeah, of course. Unlucky. Fucking hell. Yeah. Just never get bored of that. Even like so long after, like I still like unlucky. Just just comes <laughs> out. It's just just one of them. One of the very very first Liverpool memes, I suppose. Like that was like, and then he kept doing it for years after, and it never got less funny. But yeah. Yeah. Legend. Yeah. 
legend, legend Lucas Leiva. He goes with our wishes and hope he, like you said, goes on to do whatever he does because I'm sure he'll get still. I'm sure he'll stay involved with football somehow. But I'm interested to see what he does. Uh, and then I just thought, lastly, we were talking about midfield issues and whatever before with Bichetic and Henderson, whatever. Who might be coming in in the summer? I made a joke at the start of the show about Bellingham definitely signing. Obviously, that's no one's definitely signing Jude Bellingham. But um, David Ornstein from uh, The Athletic posted something this morning, basically saying, as things stand, Liverpool increasingly unlikely to sign Jude Bellingham this summer. Expected price and financial power of rivals put LFC hopes in doubt. Pursuit is not off and no firm decisions, but senses... Man City and Real Madrid in stronger position. Um, and then you look at the comments, and if you type Jude Bellingham into Twitter, for example, there's just people saying it's an enormous failure if it doesn't happen and whatever else. It's like, don't set yourself up for something that is could fail. Like, we all want Jude Bellingham, fucking hell. It's the easiest. Like, the links have been made for years. His name's Jude as well like you know what I mean it's, it's, a, it's a perfect song there ready for him if he comes in he spoke so highly of us and Klopp and That's made with Trent and Hendo. yeah like this, it's it's too easy like Trent going out for a walk with him in the World Cup and and he's asked about it and Trent goes yeah I'd love him at Liverpool like what but like why wouldn't he like fucking hell he's probably the yeah. best like the best young midfielder um, like a generational talent like in the likes of Haaland and Mbappe and stuff like that where he can come into your side and he's your midfield set for 10, 15 years, but um, obviously people are now uh, getting very, getting a bit irate and saying it's it's proper. And, and Jose Enrique, we were talking about it, about before we started, like he's, he seems like he's turned into one of these, um, these Twitter people. I'm not going to mention <laughs> any names, but like just going, this is a joke if this doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, like all oh, I'm just like, fucking hell, Jose, what's going on, lad? Why have you turned into one of these Twitter knobs? Just like, just, just don't do that, lad. Don't do that. We've got enough yeah. people who aren't famous and with actually very good footballers. I really liked Jose Enrique as a player for us, and even when he was at Newcastle. Uh, but it's just, yeah, it's a bit weird that whole thing. But in general, it looks like we're. David Onstein says we're increasingly unlikely to sign him, but fuck knows who, who knows. Like this, that could change next week if Liverpool all of a sudden just yeah. go well. Let's ask you. Let's get you in the room. Put a fucking. I was going to say put a gun to it, but just go right. We need to know right now who you're joining. If he says Liverpool, then chances are it could happen because there's there's ways and means we can do stuff like Liverpool slightly poorer as we know than Man City and Real Madrid in terms of finances. There's, yeah. there's surely a way that we could we could figure this out. If and I said like player players have got more power now. If they want to go somewhere, the chances are they're gonna they're gonna go there. So what are your thoughts, lad, on the fucking lovely transfer news that we yeah. all love? I'm so fucking tired of it to be honest. But uh, if I'm just gonna put it there like I like you said, we all want Jude Bellingham. There's no doubt about that. Um, if he wants Liverpool, I'm sure there will be a way of sorting it out in terms of payment strategy, in terms of could it be, you know, so if he says, I really just want to go to Liverpool and Liverpool says, well, 
you know, the prize package this season with uh, Man City and Real Madrid, you know, in a bidding war, we, we won't be able to do this. Are you happy to say Dortmund for another year until next year when your contract starts to run, you know, run out of time and we can negotiate in a different way or blah, blah, blah. That might happen as well. There might be something that, you know, we, we have Klopp, who's, you know, obviously the... Uh, you know, a legend at Dortmund, and we've got a good relationship with them as a club. It doesn't mean that we will get anything, you know, cheaper or better. It could help us in a negoti- negotiation way. Um, you know, so I, I, don't, I don't see things as too much, you know, negativity. If, if it comes to, if it, in the end, if it comes to Man City having, you know, put in a much higher bid than we can afford, and Jude is fine to join them because of obviously uh, salary and other things. Well, that's his decision then. Like, that's what he decides to do. Then we can't do really anything. And people can say, yeah, but we, we don't have the money to, you know, give the same salary. No, we don't. And I'm quite happy. We we, we are not being able to you know, give anyone, the you know, how much money they want. I know we did for Salah now, you know, because he, he proved himself, though. So I, I still want us to be, you know, sustainable. I want us to be run... Um, in a good way. I don't want us to just throw whatever money on one player. If, if he won't come to us and decides to go Real Madrid or Masita or whatever, yeah, well, then we get the same, hopefully, the same amount of money that we can use for maybe another two really good midfielders and a centre-back or whatever. So, in one way or another, we will sort it out anyway. We, we are not a fucking amateur club. We've got good people at the club who will, you know, do... Uh, things this summer. Klopp, Klopp is the you know best option to sort this out for us as a manager as well. So you see what happens. Like I'm not that concerned. If Jude wants Liverpool, I'm sure we will sort it out. If he feels like Real Madrid are the better option, or if he feels Man City, whatever might happen with them in the future, depending on you know the 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 things that they are being um, uh, reviewed for. You know, with all the. Um, the things with the FFP and stuff that came cheating. up, you know, was, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with all the cheating, yeah, that, that's that's that, that's the thing. Like we see, he might just feel that that's not the place for him because he don't know what they're going to be in two years' time. You know, if there's going to be any Champions League bans for three years, or if they're actually going to be relegated, or if there will be financial problems, he might just, yeah. But that's the thing. Like if if it's going to happen, then. Does he wants to be at that club at the moment when that happened and miss? I, I don't think yeah. so. So he might just see where can I play most football in the best way because he seems to be that person as, as well like he seems to be very clever he don't seem to be a you know someone who's he, he keeps his feet on the ground he wants to play football and he wants to choose the best uh place to do that and that might be real madrid whoever knows but in the end of the day there's nothing we can do to change it so i would just sit calmly in the boat see what happens if we get jude come summer no one would be fucking happier than me but i'm not going to be an idiot and start you know uh talking shit towards people or the club or people involved or not involved or whatever and just you know being angry about it because i got i got better things in my life you know luckily <laughs> so i'll be supporting liverpool without jude bellingham you know it's it's not if it's not down to him if i'm going to continue to love my club or not i love to have him but if that doesn't mean that liverpool have can afford him and we might bring in some some other players so be it yeah, I quite like that saying you've just used. Sit quietly in the boat, like yeah, don't rock the boat. Just go and get yourself a couple of bevies, a few shots, have a bit of yeah. food, have a nap if you want. You just yeah, in the boat. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> don't get your don't get your bait ready. Throw it over the side, catch some fish. Get, yeah. get, a, get, get do you some use cream that, on. 
Do you use that as a saying in England? Because that's something I just translate from what we say in Sweden. Like, so we, we, we just sit calmly in the boat and wait. Like, if this, and do you, do you use that always? Um, we, I think with more, like I said, with, with more, more use, like, don't rock the boat. So, like, same thing, don't, like, don't, yeah, yeah, the opposite. Like, don't panic, don't rock the boat. Because if you, if you do that, then we might fucking die. Like, basically. Yeah. So we just say <laughs> it in a different way. It's like, sit calmly in the boat and just, to relax, have a sunshine, and in the end, maybe Jude will come to Liverpool. That's the thing. <laughs> if not, all right, then you sit calmly in the fucking boat. <laughs> exactly. Because we got Klopp's theory, so you know that's fine. We will be steady. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, Klopp's, Klopp's the captain, and he Klopp, Klopp's the Klopp's yeah. the captain. What's your thought? What, what's your thought then? Because I was ranting on there, but that's you know. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I agree. Like, it's just it's just mad. I I I understand like people. It consumes the life, like transfers and that, and Liverpool consumes the life because I, I get it. It consumes ours as well, but there's ways that you react to stuff. Like when it's just like, and David Ornstein's very good. He's usually reliable uh, for the Athletic and whatever. But I just don't. I just never think like, oh, this is the end of the world now. And people just tweeting stuff like, it doesn't happen. Blah 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 blah. blah. This is joke. The board and FSG all to blame. Blah 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 blah. I just I don't understand it because it's like well. There's only, there's only, so, there's only. Well, I was gonna say there's only so much we can do. There's fuck all we can do about it. Really, we've just got to wait and see. Klopp said on numerous occasions that this summer is going to be a big one in terms of us moving players on and getting players in. I think we all know that. There's, we've talked about it before. Oxley Chamberlain, Cater, Milner potentially leaving. Um, loads of other players. Matip potentially. Uh, I mean. Yeah, Bobby. Yeah, of course, obviously. So there's players, a lot of players leaving, a lot of fucking experienced players, a lot of players that have been Liverpool for a long, long time that could be leaving, and that's why this one's so key. So Klopp knows that it needs to be right. We need to get, you need to subsidize all that experience with the best, best quality you can get, the best, like because the, they're they're gonna have the best chance of obviously coming in and being able to go straight into the team and and kind of help those issues i mean i think we could talk about milner like potentially leaving i hope he doesn't i hope he stays another another year because i think if he leaves as well that leaves a bit of a gaping hole and like um if he moves like as a coach then he still has the obviously the experience and whatever to pass down but it's not the same as like james milner on the pitch with you like on the training ground every day the man standards so I, yeah, I read yesterday that Klopp is pushing for him for another year. Yeah, like, I think so. And the thing is, this is debate as well. But I think I think it's good if he stays for another year in the same kind of you know position where he is now. He he plays when we need someone to come in to do a job or you know to give someone a rest and plays in certain games and all that. It doesn't mean he should play at Real Madrid away in a Champions League. <laughs> I think um, that's I think that's what people are annoyed by because like if you remove him, then he can't play because they don't want him to play in games, and and we don't. We want we obviously want better quality when you go into the Bernabeu and you need yeah. three goals. We can't, like, we can't we can't underestimate the way he's actually you know acting as a professional within the club on the training pitch, like you said. Yeah. You know what to you know set an example for the younger kids. Like this is stupid. This is what you need to do and behave like if you want to stay at the top for twenty years, like he has done. Like yeah. I don't say you know everyone comes comes to play when they're sixteen, obviously. But you know if you if you're a if you're a Bicetic at eighteen coming at Liverpool doing great, he's still there to guide you and say you know I I did this when I was young or I know what it takes exactly. to stay at this. You know. And people just don't understand that. They'd be like, 
oh, Milner playing, you know, for us in, against Real Madrid. Yeah, but that was never the that was never the plan. But we just had Bicetis out and Hendo being ill and Keita being, you know, whatever he is and stuff like that. So at this season, this is what we have to deal with. And next come summer and next season, it will. Uh, you know, surely be a different situation. But I don't mind if Milner stays to be able to cover in a midfield or cover for a right back or cover as a left back and being this guidance for young players and others in the club. And it might even be that he continues with his, you know, manage um, batches or whatever. And then when he retires, maybe he just stays on as a coach and, you know, fucking great then. But, you know, people need to understand that he's not staying to be uh, a player playing all the games for us, but you know yeah. they, they seem to just see black and white. I guess. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't factor in all the other stuff, which is like, I mean, we don't know exactly, but like, if Klopp wants him to stay around another year, I trust Klopp's judgment that he, he sees it as quite key in a season, in a summer that's going to be quite transitional to keep yeah. one of your most experienced players if they want to stay, is a no-brainer to and you and you and you have him around to kind of. Like they said, twenty he's nearly twenty years older than Bacetic. You can guide them in terms of what he needs to be doing every day and show them leading by example and stuff. So yeah. Um I mean there's no, there's no game now until uh, Man City on the first of April, which is only twelve days away. Uh, so you will be in Sweden here with me then. I will be Looking in amazing. Sweden. I will be in Sweden for that one, watching it in the Cromwell House in North Shopping, and I can't wait. So yeah, looking forward to it. And I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I'm looking for I'm looking forward to it like loads, but then I'm like, it's Man City, it's away, it's half twelve kickoff. Like it's like all the signs are pointing to like Liverpool get beat by two goals. But then it's yeah. like, well, I feel better when we play a bigger team. I hate twelve thirty kickoffs, but then I'm like, I'm thinking in my brain, but actually I'll be in Sweden, so it'll be a half one kickoff. So might just be that. Yeah. Might just be the times yeah. difference. <laughs> yeah, it might be, but also I, I feel the same. Like I'm, I know that it will be a tough, tough game. Uh, I'll be nervous. I feel it's very that it will be very important to get you know at least a point from that game going forward. But if it doesn't happen, if it's a shit game and we lose, I'll still be having a fucking boss time with you and exactly. all the other people at Cromwell House drinking beers, you know, talking Liverpool, singing songs. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Whatever happens with the result. I will have a fucking boss time anyway. So that yeah. helps to still my nerves a bit, you know, to just calm myself down and be like, yeah, well, I'd rather be there at Cromwell House with you and having bevies with people and having fun than sitting by myself in my sofa and watching it and being fucking biting my nails and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to it because I know it will be fucking fun. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we we can't wait. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be here before we know it because it felt like when we started planning out and stuff and then we announced the it feels like the time's just gone nowhere. It's now now only 12 days, which is, it's, it'll be here before you know it. But, I mean, we've got 12 days to go, but we'll try and fill the spaces. Like, we've got, we've done player profiles on Gerard. We've done player profiles on Suarez. We've got Robbie Fowler's next. We, we were meant to do that a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't get around to doing it. So the next one will be Robbie Fowler, the career of, and then the next one after that will be Fernando Torres. So two iconic strikers, uh, up next on that one, just to kind of keep us ticking over with some content to talk about. We were going to do like a Milner show where we talk about James Milner for like three hours and just be like, I fucking love James Milner. But I suppose we've just done like, we've just probably done 10 minutes on James Milner there. Yeah, uh, we said what we need to say that, you know, yeah. he's brilliant, he's boss, he's Mr. Reliable. If he wants to stay in Liverpool and we come up with a solution to have him for another year and obviously being, you know, in the same position as now, play every now and then when needed, being that guidance for young players. 
fucking boss. And then if he wants to stay on as a coach, I'm happy. If he wants to play somewhere else for another year or two, I'm happy as well. He's fucking brilliant and he's a legend. So, yeah, that's exactly. it. But, yeah, um, yeah, nice one. We shall leave it there. Uh, yeah, we'll try and do some more shows. Like I said, the Fowler Torres one over the coming week uh, before the big one against Man City, which is coming very soon. But, yeah, nice one, everyone, for listening. Really appreciate everyone. Um, yeah, nice one, Christian, once again. And, yeah, we'll see you all very soon for another show and hopefully another win for the Reds when we're live in Sweden. Can't wait. Nice one, Reds. See you in a bit. Podcast Network.